Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. We live in a nation of laws, but sometimes our chief law enforcement officers fail to inspire us. From the 1970s... Well, I'm not a crook. ...to the 90s... I did not have sexual relations with that woman. ...to the 21st century... I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear a libertarian and a progressive try to make sense out of a legal system that some say is a polarized train wreck. With Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks, this is Too Many Lawyers. Welcome to Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And Connor, we are on day 14 of our quarantine here at home in a lovely Southern California. The creeping madness has set in. Have you gone stir crazy yet? Absolutely. I've so, painted all quarantine and no work makes Connor a dull boy all over my walls. Uh, it's amazing for everybody across the country, uh, Connor and uh, my wife slash Connor's mom. And Connor are uh, hunkered down here. We have gone through our... Uh, Film festival, pretty pretty nicely, though. I mean, you got to do something with your time when you're so, locked up. So here's the list. Mr. Roberts, L.A. Confidential, Last Picture Show, Heartbreak Kid, Five Easy Pieces, Goodbye Girl, Double Indemnity, Real Life by Albert Brooks, A New Leaf, and Lost Horizon, Ronald Coleman, 1937. Classics. Uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, we are definitely catching up. Uh, I And just before we get off the movie topic, um, I actually have put together a, a list of the 40 best films to watch of all time. If wow. you'd like to see the list, uh, drop us an email. Too Many Lawyers Podcast, that's T-W-O Many Lawyers Podcast, at gmail.com. That's Too Many Lawyers Podcast. What a perk. At gmail.com. American Top 40. We will send you the top 40 movies of all time. Of all time. Wow. So the pandemic situation, before we get to the serious stuff, I mean, this is kind of serious. It's just so ridiculous and stupid what I'm about to talk about, but- it's not as serious as, as the you know, horrendous news. Coughing is now considered not only battery, Connor, but it could be a terrorist act. Sure. Absolutely. So coughing and licking uh, are considered battery. That one especially. I think that one's, I mean, coughing is sort of an involuntary act and thus it can be an issue. Like, oh, did he really intend that? Right. But does anybody accidentally lick Anything. Has anyone accidentally licked anything in the history of humanity? Well, the little boy in a uh, that movie- a Christmas, a Christmas story, story but he like, intentionally licked it. He just but, didn't know the outcome. Yeah, of that's true. That's true. It wasn't a full, full. You intention. can't accidentally spill peanut butter on the wall. You can't accidentally lick somebody. It ha- it's always an intentional act. So let me go through the really discouraging list of idiots around America. In Florida, <laughs> a woman uh, beats up her boyfriend, breaks his nose, and she uh, then encounters a cop and a paramedic. Sure. And she coughs and spits at the paramedic intentionally. Now we move to Chicago. There's an idiot being arrested for DUI. What does he do? He coughs in the officer's face yelling, I've got the corona. Nice, nice. He should, he really should just be arrested for that alone. Yeah. And and, and they are charging him with battery. And uh, this is the worst one. There's a social media prankster named Lars, L-A-R-Z. 
He has posted footage of, and please cover the kids' ears here, footage of himself licking a public toilet bowl as an online challenge. And the bad news, Connor, is he has imitators online. Of course. And yes, he's posted po- tested positive for COVID-19. Well, who hasn't these days? All the cool kids are doing it. Oh, my God. I mean, the stupidity of some people is just off the charts. It is. And so so broadly, the, the, this legal, uh, looking at this from a legal lens, uh, uh, assault uh, is the, the fear. The threat. Yeah, the fear that you, uh, uh, you feel. If, if I uh, think that I might get punched, that's assault. Yeah, if I swing is do, an assault by itself, but the actual encounter, exactly. the, the punch is And therefore, is the even if somebody doesn't have a disease, uh, you might uh, assault them by, by f- putting the fear into them. Sure. Uh, by coughing in their direction or sneezing in their direction or saying that you have it and then you know, going as though to touch them or, or to expose them in some other way. And then battery would be the actual, even just droplets from your sneeze, your, the, the moisture from your sneeze hitting somebody, that's still battery. Battery doesn't have to cause pain. It's just, an, yep. it's just a touching that you didn't consent to. Serious stuff. So uh, moving on to, as I say, um, slightly more important uh, issues, yes. uh, the president wanted to order the nation basically to get back to work uh, on uh, or after Easter Sunday. The speculation was he just wanted the idea of, of millions of people worshiping in churches. They're filling the pews as a result of steps he took. And uh, breaking news as we're uh, creating this podcast uh, on Sunday, uh, on the 29th, of March, March. Uh, Donald Trump has just announced, no, not Easter Sunday. Instead, uh, we're looking more like uh, April 30 as a, a time to end some of the social distancing. And really, he's he's pointing to the 1st of June as kind of a get-back-to-business idea. He's now saying that his April date wasn't a real date, it was an aspirational date. Which, right. it's good to be aspirational, but it's also good to set people's expectations in a realistic way, because if the goalposts look like they're moving over and over, that can be terrible. It might well be better psychologically and for the economy to have less uncertainty. Everybody says, you know, economists hate uncertainty, right? The market hates uncertainty. Right. If you just set a date that's way out there, that's almost certainly going to be, you know, plenty of time, like June 1 or July 1 or August 1, or frankly, the fall, maybe, yeah. uh, to stop social distancing uh, guidelines, that might be better for everybody's economy and mental health and everything else. Talk about uncertainty. I guess the 2020 is the definition of uncertainty. Yep. But uh, the Donald Trump approach of trying to kind of urge us to get a deadline and get back to business has really triggered quite a debate. Because because his critics say, look, don't sacrifice lives for the economy. Right. And folks to the left, uh, on the left side of the political spectrum, have been lining up. Uh, Governor Cuomo of New York, who's now the big star because of his daily briefings, and he's come across so well, he's actually talked about his own mother saying, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice mom for the economy. And that's the mantra from uh, Nancy Pelosi, who accused Donald Trump this morning of diddling away at the expense of lives. Whereas folks uh, often to the right of center have said, you know, we really need to figure out what the data tell us about the danger of returning or attempting to return to work. Because we know that that things are going to implode and are just going to crater and there's going to be a lot of human suffering if this if this economy circles the drain and goes down the toilet. So well, there so, is this debate going on. So I think there's a real, uh, the, one of the ways that I've liked uh, looking at this is to think, what is the point of a, an economic system? 
The point of an economic system like capitalism, socialism, communism, mercantilism, whatever, authoritarianism, no matter how you do- I've always been a big mercantilism yeah, fan. Yeah, huge fan, huge fan, yeah. So however, you're, however you structure your society, the point of it, the, 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 the reason why you have a, an economic system is to benefit people and improve their lives. Yeah, I, I get that part. So where are you headed with this philosophical to turn that screed? On its, to, to, this is just how I think. I don't All know. Right. To turn that on its head and say, well, for the sake of preserving capitalism, we must sacrifice human lives. Well, in lives. fairness, he's, I think that's he's the wrong saying way to human do it. lives are going to be lost if we if we do circle the drain, and human suffering will be off the charts. No, I think that's I think that's a misunderstanding, and it's a misframing. Well, whether of the or not he's saying it, I think that's what a lot of people right of center do think, and they're mm. they're squaring off against those yeah, leftists. I, I still think that's a mis sort of misframing of the situation because, as we have seen from you could call it uh, the uh, monopoly money style uh, $6 trillion giveaway that we just endeavored to fix the economy with and to boost the economy with, it's not real. Like, money is just paper, well, right? You're, the you're Fed setting, can just make more of it. Like, you can solve You're setting up a straw man here, Connor, because what you're saying is, well, on the one hand, there's mm -hmm. this giant building on Wall Street right. uh, where all the money wonderful goes. pillars and right, it right, says right. New York Stock Exchange, and that's the interest on the one hand. Yes. On the other hand, there's Aunt Bertha in Biloxi who's about to die because she doesn't have a ventilator. <laughs> right. And so, of course, of you course. Know, the Republicans like a big building with pillars right, with money. the Democrats like human beings. Exactly. But it yeah, he isn't like no, that. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's not. It's not actually like that. But it. It is saying, oh my gosh, people's 401ks are going to get worse. Uh, they're going to have less value. Yeah, that's uh, true. And, and companies are going to, you know, make fewer profits, and there are going to be fewer jobs out there, right? And jobs, of course, is where it all comes back to, because jobs is how the economy interacts with the average person. Most people aren't stockholders. Most people aren't you know, making money off the stock market, but most people have jobs and that's how it really comes down to it. And so it does make sense to sort of wave your hand in the air and scream, oh my gosh, the, 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 the jobs are going away. But there are ways to preserve jobs that don't focus on maximizing shareholder value. You can tell companies that we will pay, as several European countries are doing, we'll pay your wages right. if you don't fire yeah, people. There, there are a lot that's of a options. That's a great way to do it. But and that's just, I think, pro placing the worker and the individual up there as opposed to corporations and profits. And, and so you're right. We can't make straw, man, straw men of each other. And and you're right. I, I, obviously, Aunt Bertha, who needs a, a, a ventilator, <laughs> is very important. And nobody's saying that she should die, although the lieutenant governor of Texas, the Republican, did say that old people would be willing to die for the economy, in literally those words. But don't worry about Wow, that. I didn't hear that. I mean, so, so here's hilarious. the legal uh, fight uh, here. And Erwin Chemerinsky, our old pal who's now dean at the, uh, uh, well, I almost said Bolt Hall, but you can't say Bolt Hall anymore, Connor. Why not? It's the University of California Berkeley Law School. Because this but guy, this old guy named Bolt uh, yeah. with a lot of money, about 1900, who gave money to the law school, turns right. out he was a really bad man. No. Who hated certain people, and so oh. they've changed the name. But Erwin, Erwin, Erwin wrote an article recently saying, you know what, um, the president has no power to order businesses to close or open. That's, That's part of the issue. police power yeah. held by state and local governments. So technically, Trump maybe has very little power or say in terms of whether we reopen the doors on April 30 or June 1 yeah. 
or whatever. And that segues pretty well into our next issue. What powers does the president actually have in this situation? The big sort of marquee power that he has is the power to invoke the Defense Production Act, the DPA, which we may be able to get into before or after our break. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, we, we, should, we should pause right now, but we are going to get into this. Uh, the fact that General Motors is now building ventilators as a result of a federal rule. We're going to get into that and a lot more uh, here on Too Many Lawyers. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. But meantime, we do thank you for listening and hope you will uh, review us and rate us and subscribe to uh, Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, if you use iTunes podcast, Apple podcast, uh, or on your iPhone, just you know, in the app, you can do it, or on any other podcast uh, app, if you... Uh Go online and uh, whichever service you use to rate us and subscribe and all that, that'd be great. Plus, then you get a notification, a push notification saying, hey, a new episode's out every Wednesday. Plus, too many lawyers podcast at gmail.com for the list of top 40 movies of all time. We're going to be right back on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And Connor was starting to talk about the Defense Production Act. And as I recall, Connor, over the last week or two, you've been a little bit critical of the chief executive over the speed with which he actually invoked this law. You know, I, I guess in times of crisis yeah. allows the federal government to say, hey, normally, you know, you do your thing, yeah. private company, but right. this ain't normal. Right. So, so there's help out. The, the DPA, Defense Production Act, uh, has several components to it. It's, 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 it came into existence around the time of the Korean War in the middle of the last century, and it's generally been. You make uh, it sound so long ago, Connor. It was <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> not to make you feel bad. No, 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 no. But I, it was, I remember uh, reading about the Korean War in the history books. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the Korean War, um, the government said, "Look, we need to be able to tell private companies." Usually, in that case, it was defense contractors. It was saying. To the a defense contractor, look, you've got to prioritize a U.S. government contract over other contracts that you have from, with other customers. Right. Build our stuff first because we're in a war here. Or you can go even further than that and you can say uh, you need to actually start doing something you weren't doing. In this case, you could say General Motors building ventilators, uh, though we'll get back to that because General Motors says they were already building ventilators and that being ordered to do so obviously doesn't change the speed with which they can retool their factories to start building ventilators. Right. But who cares if it's a PR move? It should have been done at some point uh, earlier or later. And then finally, there's also an allocation of resources. You can jump the U.S. government up in line uh, to receive uh, any resource that the, that somebody else is going to receive from a private company. So that is how I feel the next step has to be to actually put the DPA into powerful effect now. Because when you get down to when it gets down to it, you can tell General Motors to prioritize the U.S. government first in line. And you can tell the U.S. government, I mean, tell G GM to start building ventilators instead of Chryslers. But guess what? It takes them a long time to actually retool their factories and retrain their employees and get Ventec, the company that is making most of the ventilators, and get them on board and say, okay, now you got one more resources and workers and factories. Now make them make uh, I, I, I see uh, your vents point. as fast as possible. But it, it's going to take time. But what they can do is what Governor Cuomo has been telling Trump to do, which is say, 
look, Trump, you said states go out and buy your supplies. Now the states are bidding against each other mm-hmm. for crucial supplies, driving up prices, increasing the profits of people making the stuff, which is not helpful right now. We don't need rent-seeking behavior where companies sit back and go, well, let's not so, let's not ship anything out yet. Let's have a little negotiation phase. Well, so it sounds like New the Hampshire, president's but, on board. He, you know, he's listened to you. Well, he's not. He's not listening to, to me. As to ventilators and General Motors. Yeah, Yes, but it was too late, and it didn't matter because he was all. They were already making them, and, and already w- you know will continue to make them. But what really matters is he could be saying, "Okay, Massachusetts and New Hampshire don't have to uh, don't have to bid each other out of right. the situation. I, the federal government, or I and the states in you know, cahoots together, will get together and say which state needs these and how much, and then the U.S. government will." be the one who makes the bid, it jumps to the top of the line, they get it, and then allocate it to whichever states they want. That is what we should be doing next with the DPA. And there's no indication Trump and his administration want to do that. So one technical correction, Connor, uh, General Motors wouldn't be making Chryslers. They're actually competitors with Chrysler. Yeah, I mean, that would be like saying, you know, General Motors should make more Ferraris. Right. They they just just don't do that. They just don't do that. They could make one that looked like a Ferrari, but it wouldn't be a Ferrari. Now, another thing that General Motors does not make is uh, Glocks. Uh, So let's talk guns. Uh, California California has a little trouble making up its mind. Uh, the LA's sheriff uh, recently said gun shops are not essential businesses, mm-hmm. therefore we're not going to allow them to stay open. Mm-hmm. And a few hours later, LA's uh, county council uh, said, oh yes, they are. Uh, and so now it's been tossed into government, Governor Newsom's lap. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, guns and ammo sales nationally are, are going through the roof. I, I guess the problem is, if I were to give a ballpark guess, Connor, I would say the chance you're going to need a gun to fight off roving bands would be one in 10 million. Sure. On the other hand, the chance you'll shoot Aunt Bertha in the buttocks <laughs> as she raids the fridge <laughs> at 2 a.m., that would be one in 10,000. Especially 000. since we're all so jumpy, you know? We're jumpy. Bertha's hungry. She needs a ventilator. She needs not to get shot. Yeah. So I think a lot of people probably are buying guns and they aren't trained and maybe it's for the first time. And and those odds about the one in 10 million versus one in 10,000 may may catch up with This question is actually, I think, a very interesting uh, multi-part constitutional law question that a normal person uh, reads and says, okay, do we need guns? Are there really roving gangs? No, it's probably not essential. Move on with our lives. But if you're a... Second Amendment, hardcore Second Amendment, you know, Heller, Heller's the famous case that defined the Second Amendment as creating a, a, the right in, of an individual to own a gun. Yeah, it clarified what everybody knew for 250 years. Oh, yeah, totally, years, but, totally. But go on. didn't believe that, yeah. Uh, so, see, this is the difference. Some of us uh, believe that the Second Amendment guarantees creates the right to own a firearm, and the others, others of us, uh, believe it creates something else. I personally think it talks about uh, the right to have uh, yeah, others, a regulated others militia. Others believe, yeah, that uh, women in colonial garb on the wing of an airplane should be allowed to <laughs> carry uh, machine guns. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and that would be great. That'd be awesome. Uh, but anyway, so once we decide, yes, the Second Amendment creates the right to an individual, uh, an individual's right to have a gun. That is what the Supreme Court has said most recently, and therefore that is the law of the land. Now we have to take the Second Amendment seriously as a right that individuals actually have, and because it's a constitutional right, Right. we have to think about the ways that it can be infringed. And the ways that we can infringe constitutional rights are different than the ways that we can infringe just sort of the rights that we think we all have, you know, like, oh, it's a really good idea that I'd be able to go down to the donut shop, like, you know, freedom of movement uh, is good, or maybe, you know, you know, try to just go, the, the right to 
to wear the clothes that yeah, I want to wear. If you're going to infringe speech or the right to own a Assemble gun, or, you have or to have a press. really, really good reason. Right. And you analyze those in different ways. And one, some of the ways that they analyze uh, free speech is a great example. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, they, for example, say uh, there are what are called time, place, and manner restrictions mm -hmm. for free speech. Uh, you might be able to broadcast a political message in one time, uh, that is, at noon, but not at another time. Uh, take your bullhorn around and yell at, while people are sleeping at midnight. You might not be able to use uh, the bullhorn manner, uh, or you might not be able to put up uh, skywriting of something obscene uh, because that would, you know, uh, hurt people's uh, feelings uh, because they'd have to see an obscene word. All right. But these are manner restrictions. And then uh, time, place, and manner restrictions all fall into the category of things that you can do because those aren't really, it's not like, it's not as bad as a blanket ban. We're not saying no one can own a gun. We're just saying you can't go to gun stores between, you know, 9 and, and 12 p.m. For an example, what if you said to gun stores you're only allowed to be open one hour a day? Or if you said to gun stores you're only allowed to- Yeah, and actually they're doing that for some gun shops and, and other types of businesses. Yeah. They're or strictly you, limiting the you uh, might open, say opening time. You can only have one person in the gun store at a time because they bet- creates automatic social distancing or two people in the gun store at a time because it creates automatic space. So that is a way that we could infringe on people's right to own guns, but in a reasonable and calculated way, a way that is targeted to solving the problem we want to solve without uh, eliminating people's right to own guns completely. And while as much as I would love to eliminate people's right to own guns completely because I'm a flaming uh, liberal uh, and, and don't like guns and don't think the Second Amendment means that. If you're going to take the Second Amendment seriously, if you're going to take people's constitutional rights seriously, and you kind of have to in order to appeal to people on the right who really believe that this is a constitutional right. So if you want them to respect your constitutional rights, you might have to respect some of their yeah, constitutional rights. No, I think you're right. Rights. I think that's that's going to how it's going to shake you got to analyze it the out. right way. And so people overreacting and saying, well, just, I mean, people are crazy. And in, in these bad situations, you got to, you know, stop them buying guns because they're going to do bad things with them. Look, people think that they need these guns, and you've got to trust people's judgment to some degree. I think that they're going to end up hurting Aunt Bertha and committing more acts of domestic violence because they're trapped in their homes and domestic violence victims can't escape, and it's very dangerous, and we should be cognizant of that. But banning guns completely or closing all gun shops just because there's a pandemic— I think that's too far. I think uh, we're going to make the, the name Bertha more popular than yeah, absolutely. it has been. We'll bring it back. Why not? Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about whether you're going to be evicted uh, in a few days. The rent is due uh, April 1, and uh, there are legal developments on that front. Uh, we're going to talk about that here on Too Many Lawyers. Stick with us. We're back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And evictions are on a lot of people's minds because uh, not everybody has jillions of dollars stacked up in the bank. Uh, a lot of folks, I don't know what the percentage is, but a, a healthy chunk of the population basically uh, moves month to month depending on their paycheck. The and commonly cited statistic is that more than half of Americans wow. can't pay a $1,000 bill that comes up uh suddenly yeah and pretty that, pretty scary and, and and you know those numbers move around and it could be a thousand or it could be 15 it could be half could be 70 percent. but what really matters especially because you move from you know one state to the other and all, everything changes what really matters is most people don't have savings and it really is scary because you you picture folks who they've got the kids uh, with them in mm -hmm. an apartment or a home they're renting 
They may not have a lot of money for food from week to week, and now the rent is coming up. So here in Los Angeles, uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti is trying to stop some evictions. There's a certain kind of eviction here in town uh, where landlords claim, okay, I'm going out of business, and therefore I want to evict quickly. And that is being stopped by orders issued by Mayor Garcetti. San Francisco, this will shock you, they're trying to severely limit evictions. And uh, the state legislators up in uh, Sacramento, they are toying yeah. with the idea of a statewide eviction ban. Now, they don't come back until mid-April. The they're, idea that these, these legislators- in place. Yeah, and they have, they, they, I mean, the, the Congress is, is out of session, Sacramento's out of session, and the fact that they just leave and go out of session in the middle of an emergency, because they schedule this whole thing because, oh, well, they need time to go campaign, they need time to go back and spend time in their district so they can actually listen to constituents. They they actually need to change the schedule. They need to be more sensitive to the, the facts of a, an ongoing pandemic. It's not like a hurricane where they have to go back to their constituencies and, you know, be hands-on and solve problems. The best thing that they could be doing is being in session. Yeah, I, I think and that, of course, they know how important it is to convey a, a sense to the public that they're doing the right thing. Yeah, they're on top of this. True. So I got to think that they're going to do everything they can now to, to look like they're on the job. I wouldn't be surprised, Connor, if we see some severe restrictions on evictions because there's just oh, yeah. going to be a very strong sentiment for uh, giving everybody some breathing room. Uh, you know, a couple of months. Let's just see how this thing shakes out. And quickly, I do want to connect to a a, a, a connected topic to evictions, okay. and that would be uh, overall the fact that we're looking at the fact that Americans don't have the savings to pay for uh, things that crop up suddenly, and also the rent on top of that. Right. Fundamentally, I think this crisis has brought into sharp relief for many, many Americans that. The concept of having our health insurance coverage so commonly tied to our employment status is crazy and almost unique in the developed world, in the world at all, because in undeveloped countries, they don't uh, don't even have this. You may either. be right that this issue uh, may uh, come to the fore and really be on people's minds. And I know uh, Bernie Sanders has been talking in this way, but you know what? I think that at this point, this is like the house is on fire. And when the house is on fire, all that matters is that you put the damn fire out. You get yes. the fire hose yes. and you solve it. You don't get into the big philosophical, okay, let's talk about you know overall society and economic and Medicare for all and so on. I know some people want to talk about well, that. I, think that's I actually, can't believe that, that the public is going to have an appetite for that. I mean, they are getting some relief. The, this stimulus that was just passed by the Congress right. and, the, and the president signed, $2 trillion. Mm -hmm. One-time payments of 1200 bucks per adult, $500 for kids under 17. You're going to get your check from These the IRS. These are adults that make less than $75,000 a year. Right. Uh, if you make over 75 grand, you do get some money, but it's a sliding scale. You get less and less. And then if you get up to about 99 grand per, per person and 198,000 for a couple uh, earning 198 grand uh, a year, Zippo is what you get. Right. Unemployment benefits are going to jump by 600 a week. Loans to companies are about $850 billion. So this is the stimulus. That's the fire hose that, that people are working on. And you may be right. There may be such a sense of, doggone it, uh, Bernie and Liz have opened our eyes about Medicare for all. And this, this health crisis has shown us how important it, is, important it is that people shouldn't have to reach into their genes to pay for this stuff. I got to think, though, uh, again, that we got to solve the crisis before we start talking about major public policy But this uh, is a unique crisis. This is a unique crisis in that it is one where the economy is going to be crushed. 
for a long extended period of yep. time, unlike a hurricane where it's hit once and then it comes back and everything after the day of the hurricane gets better and better and better. The pandemic is the opposite. And the combination of the damage to the economy and massive healthcare costs for individuals means I think a lot of people are going to look around and realize um, this being hospitalized for coronavirus, if I were to have to pay out of pocket mm -hmm. without insurance because I just got laid off because the economy sucks and my job just disappeared, uh, that's going to cost me tens of thousands of dollars that I don't have. And everybody's going to look at that and realize, oh, well, we should have Medicare for all for coronavirus. On the other hand, some people might look at this and say, you know what? The government stepping up and solving this problem is an example of where we need the government yeah. to help people Safety who net. need in help. an emergency. And we don't give money to people who make a hundred or two hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. We pay it when it is necessary. Yeah. And so that might be the reaction I mean, maybe as you're opposed right. to let's pay every single bill for everybody. That's and also, a really interesting when we point. go two trillion dollars into the hole to solve this crisis, yeah. how much more money is there going to be left to start? paying for a lot of public policy oh, initiatives that oh, people might like. You're, you're right. But remember that since we have gone effectively $6 trillion, $4 trillion to Wall Street, $2 trillion to uh, Americans and companies and small companies and the arts and everything else Well, this stimulus up. of $2 trillion does include the $850 billion to companies. Well, yes, but there's another $4 trillion that uh, is, is coming from the Fed. So that money is not... Uh, is not it's not. Wow, coming. I love the Fed. They're giving us four trillion. They're not going out in. It's not going out in tre in checks, oh, but it's going to Wall it. Street in the form of this normal stimulus stuff, quantitative easing or easing or whatever nonsense that the Fed does. So that's going to cost us four trillion dollars. But it's Fed funny money. It's not actual cash going out to Americans right. or companies. So Americans are looking at that, and I think they're going to say. This is monopoly money. It's not real. There's always more money. There's always more money there. Now, your point, I think, was a kind very good one. Kind of reminds me of, of uh, Dennis Miller's great joke. He, yeah. He, part of his uh, routine I saw on cable recently was this business about a, a gigantic deficit, yeah. uh, you know, of $2 trillion, right, right, $23 right. Trillion. Do, do we really owe that money? And if we do, let's screw them. Yeah, you know, let's true. just not pay it. Right. So that's Dennis Miller on economics. It's smart. Yeah. So, I mean, this is... the. This is, I think, I think your point um, is something that the, the left especially is not talking about. The left is not talking about how- um, Part of the left isn't talking at all. Joe Biden, he's hunkering down God. there in yeah. Delaware. But, but the, the left and even the centrists aren't yet saying um, or, or thinking what a, probably a lot of uh, people on the middle uh, and the right are saying, which is- Look, this is an example of how the government's limited role should be in extraordinary times, in extraordinary crises. The government can step up and save us when need be. We don't need Medicare for all because if a crisis happens, the government can just send everybody $2,000 checks or $4,000 checks or whatever. And I mean, Canada is sending $2,000 a month for the next four months. Americans are going to look at their $1,200 sliding scale payments and think, well, I'm going to move to Ontario. But- it's yeah, something. But they're also sending little bottles of maple syrup, so that helps that's a positive. the medicine yeah, that's a go huge, down. a huge benefit. <laughs> so uh, talk about crisis and serious issues. Uh, the pandemic is really bad for brothel business, Connor. Yeah, I'll uh, bet. In Germany, sex Hard work- Hard to social distance in that work. Very work. difficult. Yeah. Sex work has been legal for a long time mm -hmm. in, in Germany. They legalized prostitution back in 1927. God bless All them. the brothels in Germany have been shuttered. Yeah. It's also legal, prostitution, uh, sex work, in dozens of countries, including Mexico and Canada and uh, 
as you may have heard, parts of Nevada. Mm-hmm. It's estimated there are 41 million prostitutes worldwide. So some of the sex workers that have been locked out of brothels are working on the streets. Yeah, that's some a are, huge problem. Yeah, some are going online, selling adult content. And in related unfortunate news, Connor, there is a worldwide condom shortage. Mm. A Malaysian company makes 20% of the world's condoms, and it has been shut down for over a week now. Experts say, I'm not sure who these experts are, but experts say a shortfall of 100 million units. Wow, that's- That's in the the trade they call condoms. That's how they, yeah, uh, Is is a worldwide problem. So- Maybe an appeal to the folks who decide what an essential industry is yeah. w- would be in order here. Otherwise, we're liable you know, to have more than one epidemic on That's a good hands. point. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the fact that, that sex work has been you know, banned, it, it kind of unfortunately throws a lot of vulnerable people back into um, – now, they're less, much less vulnerable in these places where sex work is legal because they're there above board. They're actual employees, right, right? usually, or independent contractors doing their own thing. But it, they're, they're not you know, liable uh, to be arrested at any point just for doing their jobs. So that is a much better situation for everybody involved. But they're still going to be out of work because in the same way that massage therapists and a bunch of other people who are hands-on in their jobs can no longer do those jobs because it's just Im- literally impossible to do that sort of social uh, sort of work while social distancing it it puts them in a horrible situation and i think it speaks to the need for emergency government action. You've got to have something like a universal basic income, $2000 a month checks or, or more or whatever. Because those are the kind of people who will be put in such dire straits yep. that they will then go out and be put in danger themselves or endanger others and break rules because they have to to make a living. It's their, they have no other way to to you know support themselves. If you're sudden suddenly your job just disappears. I mean, I got to tell you, there's so many other industries that are in that same way. I got friends who are bartenders mm-hmm. who are literally saying, "Am I ever going to work again?" I mean, my. I, I can't ever work in this the industry and with the skills that I've I've got ten years of experience bartending. I'm a very valuable person with a lot of skill, and people really want me. At they their, watched Tom Cruise in Cocktail three times. Yeah, exactly, and <laughs> that's pretty good. And I mean, are bars ever going to look the way they're going to look uh, the the way they used to look again? Are they maybe not for a year? Like you basically change, have to change jobs completely. The New future is murky, and this pandemic has caused a. An amazing, horrible variety of problems. We hope you stay safe and healthy out there. Thank you so much for listening to Too Many Lawyers. And do uh, email me at too many lawyers podcast uh, at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Remember, it's T-W-O, many lawyers. And get that list of top 40 movies of all time. We'll see you next week on Too Many Lawyers. <laughs>